0: Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to the NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It is Monday, and for those of us that have school-age kids, it's like um, – Every day kind of feels like the weekend, I guess, in many respects, because they're always here. You know, there's always something going on. They're always going to this. You got to get them to that. There's, the, you know, there's camps and play performances and, you know, there's just, there's there's, ne- there's never an end to the things that kids can do in the summer. Uh, that, that is the absolute bona fide truth. And so, there are a lot of days I don't even know what day it is. If you know what I'm saying, I, I work from home and so I don't even, I don't really recognize what day it is because you, when you have something to do every day it just it all kind of blends together so without you guys in this show I'm not sure I could even keep up with the calendar but today is Monday and it is a magnificent Monday hope things uh, wherever you are today work-wise, relationship-wise, personal-wise, whatever health-wise is uh, absolutely capital we've got a lot to talk about today I want to share with you guys on uh, Friday I took a look at what the SEC West would look like next year in college baseball uh, that has been. That's one of the most listened to shows of the year, this year for the Boneyard. So today we're going to take a look at the East. We're also going to take a look at some other things involving Mississippi State baseball. We're going to talk about signees that were drafted, kind of where state stands with all of that, what uh, Mississippi State can expect from the SEC East, and not to mention one national publication. He's already released their eight for Omaha, and guess what? Mississippi State's one of those eight. And as I shared with you guys, as soon as we got done at Omaha, I shared, we got a great chance to come back next year. We do have a great chance to come back next year. Mississippi State already beginning to get some national recognition. As I said on this show, and we'll talk about it several times between now and the time we win four or five national championships, the giant has been awakened in Stark Bowl. The best is yet to come. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Book Mart, Stan Ramus, Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there. They'll treat you like family because you are family. It's as simple as that. You walk in, it's like going into Cheers. Everybody in there makes you feel like you're that you're happy to be there. That they're happy you're there as well. You need to go ahead and outfit your family in time for football season by ordering the latest in maroon and white merchandise. And here's the deal: you're going to need those College World Series shirts. But we're going to be a little different, okay? We're not, we're not going to wear baseball shirts to football games, that sort of stuff. So we're going to encourage you, go ahead and double down. Go ahead and get some some football-related tees. Get yourself uh, some polos, ladies. You can get those v-neck shirts. and get whatever you want there. You can outfit the home, yourself, your pet, your garage, your office, everything that you need to let people know that you are a bulldog. You can find it. At Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to Town Shop, we encourage you to visit them at campusbookmart.net. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That phrase BSR, which stands for beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders, over fifty dollars, any order less than fifty bucks, absolutely incomplete. Before we get into some college baseball stuff, you know, we talked about its football time and uh, you know, we just crowned the national champion in baseball last week, so I'm still a little bit kind of in baseball mode. Maybe I'm a little bit of a hangover, and it's one of those things, too, you get excited about these guys signing their professional contracts, and everybody affiliated with Mississippi State has has signed their deal. And that's what I understand. I haven't confirmed it with every single guy, but I'm, I'm told everybody has signed. There was nobody we expected to come back. Tanner Allen's the only guy that was drafted that we expected to come back, and he's already announced he's coming back within days. He was uh, drafted very late. He's a guy too. It's a draft eligible sophomore, so he has two years of leverage, and so as a result, he you know, did, did not command a huge asking price early on. Also, he's a guy too. Positionally, you know, he has filled a team need at Mississippi State at first base, but he is not your prototypical professional baseball first baseman. Matter of fact, played uh, played in left field uh, this weekend at the Team USA Trials, and and uh, I expect him to give that a go in in the fall uh, here at Mississippi State. I think that he could be your left fielder as Rowdy goes to center. And we figure some things out at right. Hatcher could could factor in at first or it right. Some new guys coming in as well. And we're gonna to get to some of that a little bit later. But the bottom line is there is no uh, expectation of any of those guys, no no surprise uh changes of heart. Those guys are, are, are already gone. But um I don't know if you're aware of this football stuff. Uh you know, Tommy Stevens is beginning to really uh turn some heads out here. A lot of people I don't think fully appreciate the fact that uh how talented he is. We've got a lot of people that uh, have some things to say, Uh, a lot lot of opinions that aren't rooted in fact. They're just kind of, you know, one of those things that where people get out and want to talk and uh, share their feelings. And it's really, just more of their opinion. Uh, But Jim Nagy this morning, Jim Nagy, that, that should be a name you're familiar with. He is the executive director of the Senior Bowl. He's also an ESPN NFL draft analyst. This is a guy that's been around forever and a day. Jim Nagy tweets out this morning, Biggest surprise of the Manning Passing Academy was Mississippi State quarterback Tommy Stevens. Scouts talk about how guys spin it, and Stevens spun it as well as anyone at the camp. We knew he was big and athletic, but he has a live arm. Hell State football fans should be excited about this kid. He is not the only person that has come out and shared some of these comments Uh, i know there was a reporter there covering uh for some other publications that mentioned tommy stevens and so we're beginning to see some reports of some people that have seen him firsthand that are not affiliated with mississippi state what i mean by that is you know listen we expect our people to tell us positive things i mean it just you know it's just the reality of things nobody's gonna come out there and say oh man we made a mistake That just doesn't happen. But when you start seeing objective third-party reports from people who don't have a rooting interest, I mean, if Jim Nagy never, ever tweeted or commented about Tommy Stevens, it really wouldn't change anything. But the fact that Jim Nagy, a guy that's going to see every quarterback in the country this year, every senior-to-be, they're going to evaluate all those guys and invite them to senior bowl. The fact that that guy comes out, a guy with his credibility, a guy with his accolades, and a guy with that, that, that type of, you know, Resume as an evaluator comes out and says, "You know what? This guy was the surprise of the Manning Passing Family uh, Passing the Camp." Uh, and I kind of stumbled my way through that, but so said, "Forgive me." But um, when when I begin to see that people who don't have skin in the game begin to say, "You know what? Hey, this kid is really good." That that excites me. There's another reason that it excites me is because Mississippi State needs to throw the football. Jim Moorhead is a passing down the field, attack the deep third, put you in one-on-one situations, and uh, throw the ball out there in a the jump ball situation and let your guy go get it. That, that's what. And we did not have the quarterback with the proficiency last year to run the offense at its full complement. Now, I'm not being critical of Nick Fitzgerald. As i said all year long, it was kind of like putting a square peg in a round hole. Just didn't. We, we made the most of it and had a good year. Uh, but you know, a little, a little less growing pains. You know, if we'd had a guy that maybe had had a little different skill set. Again, Nick Fitzgerald was recruited to run the Dan Mullen offense. Completely different component expectations of the quarterback there. You know, we were a run first team that kind of threw it to keep the safeties out of the box. It's a different deal. It's, it's completely inverse. You know, Joe Moorhead wants to throw the football. We, we want to throw the football to kind of set up the run, not the other way around. But we want to throw the football around. We want to attack. We want big chunk explosive plays. We want we want the crowd on their feet. We want you uh, going back and getting a, a glass of Gatorade when you're on offense. And all of a sudden, you got to go right back out there because of the fact that uh, we just scored. You know, that's the kind of pressure we want. And so now we've gone out and we've addressed this. And there's a couple of things that I want to say about this because – uh, for, for, let me say, preface this by saying I, I love all of you, okay? I, I love you all. But some of you that get out here and, and and post in these Facebook groups on social media, you, you make my head hurt. And, and I say that out of love. Because my loyalty when it comes to college athletics is to Mississippi State. Not to an individual player, not to an individual coach, not to an individual assistant coach or an administrator or any of that stuff. My loyalty is to the Maroon and White. And so what is best for Mississippi State is what is best for me. That's the way that I look at that. And so I am not going to elect to cheer against Mississippi State at any point in my life. I'm never going to withdraw my support because there's not a a, a personnel decision does not match my opinion. I'm a bulldog. I'm true maroon. But I read some of these comments, and people were like, well, I don't understand, you know, Keaton's not getting treated fairly. And that is absolutely incorrect. That is absolutely incorrect. Keaton Thompson goes out and, and competes this spring, was far and away the best quarterback this spring of the three quarterbacks that were on scholarship. He, Keaton was the best. Then the opportunity arises for Mississippi State to add another quality quarterback to the roster. A guy that has the skill set, a guy that has a relationship with our head coach, a guy that has run this offense for two years, a guy that understands what's expected of the quarterback position in the Jim Moorhead offense. We would be absolute idiots if we didn't sign that kid. As I said on this show before, even if all he does is comes in and makes everybody around him better, even, even if he doesn't take a snap, if he comes in and makes Keaton Thompson work a little bit harder to keep the job, if he works a little bit harder to to help Garrett Schrader learn the job, then we've won. But there's always these factions, and, I, and really it goes back to kind of the the post Dak Prescott era. And I and I recall, you know, when we were ready to kind of make the tran- the transition to Dak, you, know, um, you know, Todd Russell gets hurt against Oklahoma State, and then it, it becomes a it becomes a, an issue of controversy. There was a quarterback controversy because. Mississippi State had been very loyal to Tyler Russell. He had been very loyal to us. And so, Dak can do some different things, a different skill set. Again, both of them were great quarterbacks. But you had factions within the fan base. Oh, we need to stick with Tyler Russell. Dak's time will come next year. Well, then Dak's time came, and it was great for Mississippi State. But we knew when we signed Dak that Dak could handle the running component of the offense. He could handle the passing component of the offense. And let's be honest here. Let's be really honest here. Dak was not a great passer most of his career at Mississippi State. He was a great player, but his accuracy left a lot to be desired. Now, in hindsight, we tend to forget those sort of things. But he was not a great, polished passer. He has kind of become that. He's also had better wide receivers to throw to. He's kind of been able to cover up you know, when he, when his throw is not exactly perfect. But my point being is that we had this controversy. Well, then Dak within when Dak becomes Dak, right? There was there were no there were no calls to play anybody else. There was nobody within our fan base saying, "Hey, look, we got to get this guy because we were winning and winning big." Well, then Dak leaves and it listen, it was obvious to anybody who was around Mississippi State football. Nick Fitzgerald was going to be the starter. There were a lot of people that felt like, you know what, Damian Williams has has waited his time. He deserves that opportunity. And, And here's what I'll say about that. The guy that deserves the opportunity is the guy that wins the job. We should never, ever, ever, ever give somebody a job just because of longevity, just because of tenure. The most talented player that can help Mississippi State win the football game should get the job. It is as simple as that. It's not the Boy Scouts. This is not, you know, this, this is not a situation of seniority. This is about talent and ability. If Keaton Thompson wins a job, and he is capable of doing so, that's one of the things that I'll say I think some people are kind of sleeping on Keaton. You don't ever know how he's going to respond to this. He might elevate his game to another level. He might take his game to somewhere we never expected. But to, to hear Tommy Stevens get these accolades, I, I think it means Mississippi State is in good shape because either the guy that that, won, that was the number one guy out of the spring or the guy that was the surprise at the Manning Passing Academy is going to be your quarterback. And I think they're both going to play a good bit. But the bottom line is this, is that getting out here, everybody's entitled to have an opinion. But to, to threaten to withdraw your support because get your favorite guy doesn't get a job Uh, That's just really petty and immature. And so my honest opinion is, is uh, let the guys that do the evaluations, let the guys that actually uh, facilitate practice and evaluate film and call the plays and design the plays, they're not going to pick the lesser guy. Just to prove a point. They're going... This is their livelihood. This is how they feed their families. This isn't, you know a political situation where they're guaranteed to have a full term here. They've got to go out and win football games now. They're going to put the guy out there that is best suited to run the offense. And so we'll have an opportunity here, I don't know, five, six weeks, we'll have an opportunity to see those guys in person, in practice. And we'll be back and share that with you. But for now, the football news today about our guy, our newest guy going down there to the Manning Passing Academy and stealing the show, that, that that fires me up. That tells me no matter who wins the job in the fall, we're going to be in good hands, and that's what matters most. Bulldog Burger Company is the place in Starkville where you need to be when you come to town, and now's a good time to come and really enjoy Bulldog Burger Company. It's, it, we're in between summer sessions right now summer school, and there'll be some kids that'll be coming back this week. Second session summer school starts next week. There are a lot of times I encourage people to come back to Starkville just kind of take in Starkville when it's not a game day. Because there's there's parts of Starkville and some great local shops and places that you're not quite as familiar with because they're not game day attractions. You know what I'm saying? So come up here, check all that out, and have lunch at Bulldog Burger Company. Great service, great food, a great restaurant-quality hamburger. One of the finest delicacies in life. Is being able to sit down, put your feet under a quality table, and get waited on by a quality staff and get a great restaurant quality hamburger. That's exactly what you're going to get when you go to Bulldog Burger Company. If you don't want the, the Bulldog Burger, maybe if you want to try something a little wild and exotic, get, get the Pimentology, get the Mission, get the Smokehouse, change it up. Follow them on social media and learn more about their daily specials because I'm telling you, you you're not going to have a bad experience. It's going to be a great opportunity for you to go in, have a great time with friends and family, Enjoy an adult beverage. Enjoy a milkshake to go. You can get it exactly the way you want it there. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Stark where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So moving right along here, I, I mentioned at the top of the show that uh, we're beginning to get some uh, national publications announcing their aid for Omaha. Division One baseball will do there today if they hadn't done so already. Perfect game. The first one out, Mike Rooney very well-respected journalist in the college baseball field. Mike releases perfect games eight for Omaha for 2020. I'm going to run these down for you, and then we're going to get into um, into what to expect from the rest of the SEC. We mentioned SEC West on Friday. We'll do SEC East today. We won't spend quite as much time on it, but we're going to talk about that. So the, here's the perfect game eight for Omaha. Arizona State, they lost in the Baton Rouge Regional this year. Uh, got hot. Got cold. Uh, Auburn, They finished in the College World Series. I think that's a pretty safe pick because of their, their pitching. We'll see if the offense comes around, but I think Auburn's certainly in the mix. Uh, Florida, they lost in the Lubbock Regional. I'm going to have a lot to say about Florida a little bit later. They're they're built for a run, and and, and uh, Kevin O'Sullivan doesn't stay down for two years. It just it doesn't happen. They're, they're a proud program. Uh, this is one of the ones I disagree with. They have Georgia in the eight for Omaha. I'm going to explain that a little bit later. I think Georgia... Has a lot of arms coming back and a lot of arms coming in. But uh, offensively, they remain a very challenged team. Louisville went to the College World Series. They had them going back. Uh, that'll be interesting because I had some people in the Louisville media tell me last year that if they didn't win the national championship this year, uh, it might be a while. But they're, they're picked to be back next year. That, that's interesting. Miami, of course, lost in the start of regional. And I'll tell you, after seeing those guys in person, I can see it. If they, if they find one more pitcher, they're going to be outstanding. They're going to be outstanding, probably win the ACC next year. They have some real horses in that lineup. Hope that we don't see them until we get to Omaha. And, of course, Mississippi State. And here's the comments. you can, I will retweet this article, and you can go read the comments about each team. Here's what Rooney says about Mississippi State. Chris Simonis era and start will got off to an excellent start, and the 2020 team will be led by a loaded junior class. Tanner Allen, Justin Foskey, Jordan Westberg, Roddy Jordan, and Josh Hatcher provide high-end talent for what may be the best offense in the SEC. I agree, Mike. JT Ginn was Perfect Games Freshman of the Year, and he should be joined in the rotation by highly talented redshirt freshman left-hander Christian McLeod. We've talked about him on the show. I have had multiple Mississippi State hitters tell me he was the most difficult guy to hit on the team last year. When he was healthy and throwing good, he was the most difficult player to match up with on the team. Solidifying the catching position in the bullpen looked to be two keys uh, to a return trip to Nebraska. I feel great about the catching position. Absolutely grab Between Hayden, Johns, Luke Hancock, you've got two absolute studs back there at catcher. I am 100% fine with catcher. Now, you don't have the experience and that Dustin Skelton had of by far managing pitchers and that sort of stuff. But as far as being able to handle the, the requirements of the position on a game in, game out basis, I feel great about those guys and I think they're both going to be very good offensive players. In fact, when the days that Hayden Jones catches, if we can find a way to get Luke Hancock in lineup, I'm in favor of that. That guy can swing the bat. The bullpen is the issue. I'm going to get to some things a bit later in the show. Kind of make you, you know, kind of apprised, a I guess, of some things. We've got a handful of left-handed junior college pitchers coming in. That's going to help us match up a little bit better. You know, we didn't have a lot of left-handed arms this year, but uh, we we look to address that, uh, especially in this SEC where some people tend to stack left-handed lineups against you. But uh, the bottom line is Mississippi State expected to do really well. As I shared on the show, we have never gone to Omaha three years in a row. We've gone back-to-back years twice, 97-98, 18-19. We have an opportunity next year to do something we have never done in our storied history, and that is to get back to Omaha. The longer you keep going to the barbershop, sooner or later you get the haircut. And I think this is a team that's, you know, listen, think about this. You're going to have a junior class. It's going to be, you know, this is going to be their, this will be their big year, right? This is the year they write their legacy. But they don't know what it's like to not go to Omaha. They know what it takes to get there. They know what it takes to win a Super Regional on the road and at home. I expect Mississippi State to be a regional host for sure and in the in the mix to be a, a Super Regional top eight national seed, but I think that's going to depend on how things shake out with the schedule. I think it's going to be that close. But I expect Mississippi State to be very much in the mix just like everybody else. And so it's good to see other people that really observe college baseball again much like the Tommy Stevens notes when you have people that don't have a rooting interest they don't have a maroon and white appeal so you know what this team mixture is going to be really good and one of the things I going to share with you guys about JT Ginn I think we, we might have seen him at around 80% we hadn't even seen him at 100% yet and that even goes back to the beginning of the year and here's one of the things I think is interesting the very first inning of his college career JT Ginn gives up a home run he didn't give up a home run the rest of the year the rest of the year despite the arm soreness despite not having his best stuff despite the fact that he kind of got moved around sometimes on the weekends despite the fact that sometimes he had some abbreviated outings he gave up one home run the entire year and that was the first inning of his college baseball career I had somebody share with me a statistic JT Ginn gave up it was the only SEC weekend starter regular weekend starter that did not allow a home run in SEC play. And that's with a JT Gen that was not 100%. Just begin to imagine, okay, and, and and that's a big part of things. If you you get Friday night figured out, then you can kind of figure the rest of it out. If I, if we had to go play a series this weekend, let's just go ahead and say we're flash forward ahead. We're about to open the season. It's February. If I had to call it today, it's JT Ginn, Christian McLeod, Eric Sarantola. Those, all three of those guys, Major League Baseball prospects. And I don't know if you saw, but is going to be pitching for Team Canada in the Pan American games. That'll be a good experience for him. Good experience. So let's now take a look now at what to expect. And I'm going to come back before we get out of here today. I'm going to talk a little bit about Mississippi State signing class. Get a lot of questions about that. So Says Steve, what kind of signing class do we have? What do we have coming in? I'm going to get to that. But let's talk SEC East here for a second because Vanderbilt has the luxury of playing in the weaker division. Let's go ahead and set all the established scholarship advantages to the side for now. Let's just talk about scheduling. They This year, they played the weaker teams in this conference. That's the reality of things. They win the SEC. They were the best team. They win an Apple championship, and you tip your cap. You might do it with your fingers behind your back because of the scholarship stuff, but the bottom line is they took care of business. They also had the benefit of playing uh, in the lesser division. Next year, I expect the SEC East to be much better than it was this year. And, th- and that's, that's not saying a whole lot. I don't think the East, by and large, was a great division this year. I think we can all agree that the East was down. And in order for the East to be good, Florida has to be up, and I think that's going to be the case. But let's go ahead and take a look at Vandy here. You know, Vandy is, you know, a lot of people are expecting him to to be back in the mix next year. And they should be, considering that they'll have uh Kumar Rocker on Friday, Mason Hickman on Saturday, and then I'm um, there there's no shortage of talented arms that could possibly pitch on Sunday. Vanderbilt ties an SEC record with thirteen players drafted. Now there's still some some ebb and flow with some of these guys, but they are going to be some big losses. J.J. Bleday, the national leader in home runs, uh, he's going to leave, you know, was a first-round pick by the the Florida Marlins. He's He's gone. Uh, Steven Scott got to hit two home runs against Mississippi State. He's also, he was a senior. He's gone. Julian Infante, a senior. He's gone. Ethan Paul, uh, he's gone. Patrick Raby, uh, Fellows, those guys are gone. So some names that you've known, and, and many of those guys, you know, were heroes on that team. I mean, Major contributors; those guys are going to be moving on now. Philip Clark, the catcher, he has not signed, but there is r- remains that possibility. So he's an absolute stud, and uh, there's been he drafted pretty high. So there's a, still a possibility he may go July twelfth, the deadline on that. So we've still got you know, another week or so to kind of figure those things out. But uh, but he he is. Right now, unsigned. Unless he signs over the weekend, I didn't know about it. But Philip Clark has not signed. He was your SEC catcher of the year. He's your guy. Austin Martin, an absolute stud. Uh, had some big at-bats at Omaha. Uh, he'll be back after deal with him. Pat DeMarco got drafted, but there's a lot of discussion that he's going to come back and finish up. Harrison Ray, undrafted. He'll be back. Uh, and then you kind of figure this whole thing out, you know, with, uh, with the weekend. But uh, they've got frontline pitching. They're going to have enough pieces back. They're not going to – most of the big bats have moved on. So Vanderbilt will challenge, but I don't, I don't think it'll be like this year where you begin to look at and say, okay, they're just going to dominate the East. I, I, I think the field is going to kind of come up to them and they're going to drop back just a little. You don't lose the players they did and, and expect to improve. And listen, they were the national champions. And so they were built to win this year. Still a lot of pieces in place. But again, I think they take a step back from where they were this year. Georgia, very interesting team. Georgia had eight guys drafted. Six of those guys have signed. And and a lot of those guys, offensive players. Now, Georgia's going to have a great, and I mean a great, rotation on the weekend. Just as they did this year. But despite how great that pitching was, it wasn't good enough to get to Omaha. It wasn't good enough to get out of the regional. You remember Florida State goes in there and wins the regional. Georgia cannot win on pitching alone. And it's one of those things you begin to think about, okay, over the course of a season, they're going to win a lot of ballgames, 2-1, 3-1, that sort of stuff, because they're going to have that elite frontline pitching. But in, when they had to face great offenses, as they saw at Mississippi State, as they saw at Florida State, they really struggled. And offensively, they're not going to be any better next year. And people can say, well, you know, you never know who's coming in. That's true. But how often is it you have one or two guys show up and just set the SEC on fly, fire as a newcomer? They're going to need about half a dozen of those guys. Uh, third baseman Aaron shank he's gone. Star pitcher, Tony Losey, Lacey, he's gone, and then State beat him. Uh, Tim Elliott, one of their best relievers, he's gone. Shortstop, L.J. Talley, seems like he's been there forever and a day. He's gone. Uh, left-handed pitcher, Zach Christofak, he signed. He's going to go ahead and go. Uh, Tucker Maxwell, outfielder, he's gone. John Cable was a, a grad transfer utility guy. He's gone. So you've got a lot of your top offensive players that have kind of moved on. They had three hitters last year that hit above 300. All three of those guys are gone. Their top two home run hitters are gone, and that's Maxwell and and, uh, and Shank. Now, they will return Kem Shepard at shortstop, and he is one of the league's best defensive players. A lot of people thought he might go ahead and sign this year. He elected not to sign. Raleigh King is also coming back. And then on the weekend, we know we've got an Emerson Hancock out there, that he is going to be – one of those guys that really challenges for SEC Pitcher of the Year. A lot of people talk about, you know, Kumar Rocker because of that great postseason run. But, you know, throughout the season, the top guy in the East was uh, was Emerson Hancock. And so he'll be back. He'll be healthy. And then there's a young guy that we saw Mississippi State saw in the Sunday game, and that's Cole Wilcox. He pitched some down the stretch. was a little bit hit or miss. But this is a guy with a Major League Baseball body. This is a guy with a Major League Baseball Change up a Major League Baseball curveball. He has to make up to be a solid, solid pitcher. He, I'm sure he'll take that Tony lochi spot in the rotation. So again, Georgia with power arms, but limited offense. So it'll be it'll be pretty similar to what it was this year. And Cam Shepard will be kind of the, the centerpiece of that thing. And, and and if you if you don't know Cam Shepard, check him out. That kid that kid's an exceptional player. Tennessee, you know. Tennessee had six guys drafted and all six of those guys signed. Tennessee was one of those teams, kind of a middle-of-the-pack team in the East, really kind of benefited from the fact that, that div- the division was down a little bit. They're going to lose a lot. I mean, they're losing a lot. They're losing, they, they basically have to retool the weekend rotation. And as a, a, a team that's not a elite recruiter in our league, that's very, it's a, it's a very difficult undertaking. Uh, Andre Lipsias, he killed Mississippi State. Even though we won that series two out of three, uh, Andre was a guy that he was a tough out every single ball game and uh, really, really gave State a lot of trouble that Friday-Saturday game. Garrett Stallings, one of the best pitchers I saw in person this year. Absolutely love his game. Did a great job kind of developing him. He was a pitch-to-contact guy much of his career and became more of a strikeout guy this year. Uh, He he drafted and he's gone. Uh, Zach Lingenfelter was their Saturday starter. Uh, Zach is also signed a professional contract, and then Sunday, Will Neely. So their Friday, Saturday, Sunday starters all gone. Two guys signed pro contracts. Will Neely exhausted his eligibility. Uh, gonna have to replace their shortstop uh, in the outfield. They've got you know Jay Charleston has kind of moved on, and then one of their top relievers, uh, Andy Schultz, is, is uh, signed a pro contract. They're going to kind of have to retool that, and then find some pieces. Offensively, they were very challenged. Offensively, they were much like they were kind of a poor man's Georgia. Had really, really good arms. Didn't necessarily have elite arms, but had really, really good front line pitching. And then they weren't quite as good as Georgia, offensively, over the course of the season. They do return uh, um, their cleanup hitter, Alaric Soliar. He's uh, he's an outfielder. He's a guy that uh, was a sophomore this year. A guy that can bunt, a guy that can run, a guy that can hit for power. He's the centerpiece of that offense. Left-handed pitcher, Garrett Crochet, you may remember him. He's the guy that got hit in the face uh, against Ole Miss, and had his jaw broke. He's from Ocean Springs, Mississippi. It's one of those things, too so you see, it's left-handed pitcher's coming at premium. Why, didn't we, why weren't we all over this kid? Uh, it happens. But he will be the Friday night guy. I've had some people tell me he's probably a top 100 uh, selection in next year's baseball draft. They're going to bring their uh, their closer Redmond Walsh back. He had nine saves this year. He'll be back. And so they've kind of got Friday night figured out. They know what they're going to do if they can ever get the game to the back end. But, again, very offensively challenged. Florida is an interesting team. Florida had five guys signed. All of them signed. They also were hit very, very hard with their signing class, even though one or two of those big-time guys are going to go ahead and come to Florida. Florida is a team – Right now, based on what we know about Kevin O'Sullivan, based on what we know of what they did this year and really committed to youth this year and still found a way into the tournament, they're going to be better for that next year. Some big losses, obviously. Brady McConnell, he was a uh, draft-eligible sophomore. He's, he's done. He's already signed a pro contract. Uh, that's a huge loss. He was one of the better shortstops in the country, uh, much less our league, but He's done. Nelson Maldonado is finally gone. One of the most difficult outs in the Southeastern Conference. He was a guy it seemed like he was a two-strike killer. He just one of those kind of guys that could spoil the pitch, spoil the pitch, and finally get something he could handle. Just an absolute stud, and uh, he's gone at Florida. Really glad to see him go. Hope he has a long professional baseball career, but he was a guy that I absolutely hated, hated to play against, and that's the ultimate respect for a competitor. Tremendous hitter, outfielder Will Dalton's also gone. Right-handed pitcher Tyler Dyson's gone, as well as outfielder Austin Langworthy. And so, when you begin to look at all this, uh, they had four hitters with eight more, eight home runs or more last year, and uh, they're gone. So they're losing a lot of power, but they're going to return their Friday-Saturday guys, and then they're going to have some of these young arms come up. So their weekend rotation. I'm going to go ahead and call it. Now, here's your hot take. Florida's weekend rotation, because they're going to be so left-handed centric, they're going to be, I believe, the best weekend rotation in the East. I don't think it'll be even close. I I, I think Vanderbilt, obviously, will will be able to run some guys out there. I think the depth, while it will be young, will be a very talented pitching staff in Florida. So, if you're a Mississippi State guy, and if you're listening to the show, chances are you are. We need Georgia-Florida to go split with Vanderbilt. We need them to put some losses on that record to give us an opportunity to go win the league this year. But Florida's going to gonna return uh, Tommy Mace and uh, Jack Lefwich. And uh, they've got a couple of really young guys, uh, Jacob Young and uh, Kendrick Kaleo, that were studs this year in the outfield. They will be kind of the heart of that order next year. So Florida this year, and there were a lot of people that kind of bought into their – their potential this year and those young guys were a little bit behind schedule and then they kind of figured it out late but Florida will be a team that you're going to have to reckon with next year Now, the good thing is based on what I have looked at it looks like Florida should rotate off of the Mississippi State schedule we've had our home and away with them they should rotate off and then we'll rotate either Missouri, Kentucky or uh, or Vanderbilt back on but uh, I expect Florida to be a, a really, really good team next year, and uh, they, they were kind of a punchline and a joke early this year because everybody kept ranking them ahead of Mississippi State, despite the fact that uh, State had a better record and Florida was losing those midweek games, and people just couldn't let it go. And then State goes down there and takes two or three, and should have swept the whole thing in Gainesville. South Carolina, I don't really know really what to expect from South Carolina, to be honest with you, because uh, you know they they had several drafted, uh, I guess five guys drafted. Uh, they're going to lose, and some of those guys were seniors, too. They lose Jacob Olson, lose TJ Hopkins. And both those guys have been there for a long time. Uh, Austin Ridge is a guy, uh, Ridge, pardon me, Ridge, Ridge, Ridge Chapman is a longtime reliever. He was a senior. He's gone. Uh, they've got some guys that can swing it, and uh, you guys remember Ister that came in here and hit a couple home runs. Uh, Luke Berryhill is a guy, one of the best catchers in the country. He has not signed a professional contract, but that is still an issue for discussion. I understand that they're still in negotiations. He has not made up his mind officially yet what he's going to do, so we'll see. Uh, but they're, they're going to bring back uh, Brett uh, Brett Carey. He's a uh, weekend pitcher for them, young guy that, that kind of caught fire later in the year. They really struggled offensively and uh, didn't have much. They, they led the league in home runs, but uh, were among the bottom in batting average. They're a launch angle team. They're looking to hit home runs. You're like a good church league softball team. Everybody comes up swinging for defenses, and when they have a good day and the ball's flying, they win ball games. But they they had some major injuries to the pitching staff last year. That we we expect them to be better next year. I expect them to be a road trip for Mississippi State. I, I suspect suspect it will end up going out there, and uh, and that's cool too. Missouri, this is a team um, you know really. They were a veteran team this year, and they were not very good. And uh, Coach Beager that was there, we had him come into Mississippi State here back in 2016. He was the coach at, uh, I guess it was Southeast Missouri State. I guess that's right. But uh, those guys came in here, and he's the job, he's got the job there at Mizzou. They had eight seniors this year, eight seniors, and all those guys contributed for the most part. Um, they lose eight seniors, including their ace. Uh, TJ Sycama, he he's gone. He signed a professional contract. Lieutenant pitcher uh, Jacob Canterbury's gone. Their shortstop uh, Chris Cornegas is gone. Cameron Meisner might be the best hitter you've never heard of. He signed. Uh, pardon me. He has not signed. He was drafted very very high. He is expected to sign, but has not signed yet. If he returns, then all of a sudden they have a little more pop in the order. They had uh, three of their top four hitters are gone. And that's a team that hit 266 as a team and so when you begin to think about you know the cumulative batting average of those guys coming back they're, they're 250 sub 250 as a team um, they're gonna have to, you know they, they've got some guys in the rotation they'll kind of have to figure some things out but uh, it's uh, it's one of those things when you when you look at it they, they kind of piece some things together on Sundays but pretty much all three of their regular weekend guys are gone. So you lose eight seniors, you lose your weekend rotation, and lose uh, three of your top four hitters, and it might lose Cameron Meisner, who's the biggest star offensively. You could see next year being a long year. Peter Zimmerman's the, the one guy in their top four in their lineup that uh, did a great job, and Chad McDaniel's a guy they're really excited about. But this Missouri team will likely struggle again next year. Kentucky, a little different deal with Kentucky than Missouri because Kentucky was a much younger team last year. They, uh, they do lose their ace, Zach Thompson. And uh, to give Minjian some credit, Mengeon would throw off with younger guys on Friday and Saturday and through Thompson on Sunday. And that way he kind of was able to avoid the sweep because you're throwing a lot of younger guys. And really, they don't lose a whole lot. They lose Thompson. They lose outfielder Ryan Shin. He was a senior but also drafted. And uh, Ryan Johnson. So they've got a couple of outfield spots that they've got to fill. But T.J. Collette was a guy that uh, was a left-handed slugger in the uh, college baseball uh, home run derby here a few nights ago. Uh, he's an absolute stud, 10 home runs, 40 RBIs. He, he's the guy you'll have to kind of pitch around. He'll be he'll be a name next year. He'll be a dude, as they say. Right-handed pitcher Marsh Dillon's coming back, as is Jimmy Ramsey. That's probably your Friday-Saturday guys right there. So while Kentucky took their lumps this year, they're going to be better for it next year because they're, they're going to return a bona fide power hitter in Collette, and they already got Friday and Saturday figured out. They're going to have to figure some other things out defensively, but I expect Kentucky to be back in Hoover, to be turning back in the right direction. And so if he had to begin to kind of rank this thing on out, you know, I think everybody would feel good about Vandy. Vandy's certainly a host and possibly a potential top eight national seed, but I think that that is not the foregone conclusion that it was this year. Georgia, again, premium arms. Tennessee, I think, takes a step back. Florida's going to take a big step forward. South Carolina, probably middle of the road. Missouri, I expect to be the bottom, and Kentucky to take a small step forward. So if I had to call it today, not knowing the schedules, Florida is a team that worries me the most. And then I would have Georgia and Vandy kind of right there together. I just don't think Georgia's going to be able to score, and Vandy's got enough offensive pieces back that I think they'll win that series. And so I think it'll boil down to Florida, Vanderbilt, but look for Florida to take a big step forward. I really like the Florida team. I really like the fact that they have uh, you know, committed to youth last year. And uh, they'll be better for that experience uh, this year. Now, a lot of people have said, well, Steve, listen, that's all great and fun, but what does that mean for Mississippi State? And and here's the deal. We have a chance to win the Southeastern Conference next year. We had an opportunity to win it this year, and we blew it, right? And we, had, we, we ended up winning over 20 games again in the league, and then and – most years, one in twenty will win you the SEC. If you win twenty, twenty-one games, you can win the SEC. This year, just to kind of speak to the quality of the league, you had four teams, four teams in the SEC win twenty or more games. Of course, Mississippi State and Arkansas both finished twenty and ten. Georgia goes twenty-one and nine, and then Vanderbilt twenty-three and seven, uh, which is a remarkable—a remarkable record. But also, too, they also got the benefit of playing. Uh, in the weaker division. And that's something we always have to factor in, that we're probably going to have to be two or three games better than Vanderbilt to go win the SEC because of the way the divisions are set up right now. But we know what Mississippi State's going to return. We know we've only got a couple spots to fill. We've got to probably got an outfield spot to fill and an infield spot to fill. And then uh, we got to figure out the weekend. And so let's just kind of run down here this signing class because – some of you casual baseball fans, and I, and I mean that in the most loving way possible. What I mean is a lot of people don't get into baseball recruiting and that sort of stuff. So let me kind of give you an idea. Very good signing class this year. Four signees were drafted. Three of those four have already signed. Ethan Hearn, catcher out of Mobile Christensen, he was drafted in the sixth round by the Chicago Cubs. He has already signed. Outfielder Jake Randa out of Northwest Florida Junior College, we expected him to come to school. He was the guy we expected to play left field and hit in the heart of this order. After day two of the draft, he was in contact with Chris Lamonis and Mississippi State staff, and said, hey, I'll be at school. The next day, the Washington Nationals drafted him in the 13th round, pay him out of slot. He's gone, and we we hate it. Uh, Right-handed pitcher Jared Johnson from Smithfield, never expected him to come to school. Drafted in the 14th round by the Atlanta Braves, got a very hefty signing bonus, and uh, best of luck to him. The long signee that was drafted who hasn't signed is outfielder Andre Tarver out of Ringgold High School in Ringgold, Georgia, near Chattanooga, Tennessee. They're right at the line. Drafted in the 15th round by the Padres. What we're hearing is that he will probably pull a Carter Stewart-type deal. Either he will sign with the Padres or he will go to junior college. We do not at this point expect him to, re- to report to Mississippi State. Now, things could change, and I think that he is a guy, as talented as he is, could come in and probably be in the mix a little bit next year to potentially play in the outfield. I don't anticipate a lot of freshmen playing, but we need to get some younger guys in the rotation there and give them an opportunity uh, to kind of build for the future. As you heard me say on Wednesday, I'm really concerned about 2021. Not concerned about 2020 at all. I think we're going to fill a great team, uh, but we need some of these younger guys to acclimate to the college game be ready to carry that banner in 2021. Now, a name maybe you're not familiar with, but you should be, is Cameron James the younger brother of Keegan James. They're from DeSoto Central High School. Everybody that I have talked to about him will tell you that he is an absolute freak of an athlete. An absolute freak of an athlete. Uh, Kid that can play all over the diamond if you need him to. He is simply a baseball player. I expect him to really challenge there at short. I'm told that he is a much more polished hitter than most as a high school player. And probably it benefits from the fact that he's played at a high-level program like DeSoto Central, but also, too, being the younger brother of an SEC baseball player never hurts. You're around guys that help you develop good habits. We expect uh, big things from Cameron James. Don't know how much he'll factor in next year, but I'm certain that uh, he will get some opportunities to play. Infielder Hunter French, also from DeSoto Central, that, that he's another guy we expect him to probably factor in uh, second could be at third base, and this depends on how he grows, what his growth potential is. Right-handed pincher Landon Sims from South Forsyth, Georgia. He's a guy that people are excited about. Anytime we go into Georgia and get a guy, uh, you, you feel pretty good about your recruiting efforts when you can go, when, especially with Georgia and Georgia Tech churning the way they are, to be able to go get a guy like that. It's big. Uh, Will Bednar, right-hander out of Mars Area High School in Pennsylvania. Another... Travel baseball type kid, another one of these guys that went around and kind of lit people up. A young guy that they're excited about too is off outfielder Xavier Lovett out of Westfield High School in Texas. A guy that can really run. A guy that uh, is the guy that uh, is an extra base machine, from what we're told. That he's a guy that uh, you know might not play a lot this year, but he is a guy that will certainly be a factor. We expect him to be a starter at Mississippi State. Uh, we mentioned the depth at catcher. We did sign another guy, Austin Kelly, out of Washington School. Another one of those guys that uh, will come in, be a developmental guy, because you feel pretty confident about what you have coming back at catcher. But with Ethan Hearn signing and moving on, uh, State was smart to go out and get a couple of catchers. And our coaching staff is very high on the guys that are coming in this year. Very, very high on his catchers. And Austin Kelly being one of those guys. Right-hand pitcher and shortstop Casey Hunt out of uh, – I'm going to mispronounce this. He's out of New Jersey. Uh, another one of those guys, multi-positional guy that can throw in the, the low to mid-90s, excited about him, uh, catcher, right-hand pitcher Logan Tanner at George County High School. I have had so many people in that neck of the woods, that that whole little click down there, that whole area, that the Connor Pilkington, Brad Cumbus Athletic Club group of fans down there tell me that this Logan Tanner kid is going to be an absolute monster at Mississippi State. They say that he is a guy that can absolutely carry a team and carry a lineup. He's a tremendous leader. Uh, I don't know how much he plays this year, but I am told that he will be a fan favorite and be a superstar by the time he is done at Mississippi State. A lot of people think he has Major League Baseball potential. Uh, we'll see how that develops. Uh, one of the guys that I haven't heard quite as much about until this morning was shortstop Mason Lands out of J.M. Tate Senior High School there in Florida. I'm told that he he is another one of those guys. and, and you recruit the shortstops to play all over the infield, right? That you don't necessarily go recruit a second baseman. You go recruit shortstops because they're generally the better athletes. I'm told that's kind of what the situation is here uh, with Mason Land, that he is a guy that can play any of the infield positions outside of first, that you recruit him as a shortstop. Maybe he's a third baseman, maybe second baseman, but he has the versatility to play wherever you need him to. Uh, Outfielder, right-handed pitcher, uh, Drew McGowan this is another one of those guys too another multi-positional guy with a big big arm I'm told that this guy, that he has the potential to be a college level player at either position he can play in the outfield or be a pitcher it'll be interesting to see how that all kind of shakes loose for him uh, left-handed pitcher Davis Rokosi out of Ch- uh, Chattahoochee Georgia that's another guy right there I, again you see a real commitment from Scott Foxall to mix it up and get a nice blend of righty lefties. He's a young guy that will need to, develop, need to develop, but another left-handed guy, and we've seen some teams this year that really struggled against left-handed pitching, uh, it makes sense for us to have a, you know a, an assortment of those, because in the years past, we've had one or two guys you can match up with on a bullpen, uh, a real commitment to left-handed pitching in this class, and you'll see that as we kind of move forward here. Right-handed pitcher Chase Patrick out of Chattahoochee Valley Community College there in Alabama. I'm told that he's a guy that could be a midweek starter or a middle reliever. We'll see how things develop with him, but certainly a guy that will come in with a ready-made arm as State begins to kind of rebuild this bullpen. He's a guy that can come right in and compete for a spot in that long relief role. Left-handed pitcher Houston Harding out of Innawaba Community College. Again, a left-handed guy there. Another guy expected to come in this year with Tristan Barlow moving on. Uh, Mississippi State does not have that left-handed matchup by the bullpen. These younger guys coming in, junior college guys, and as we saw with uh, with Colby White, some of these guys come in loaded for bear. And uh, Houston Harding, I'm told, is one of those guys that could certainly come in and be a real factor in the bullpen. Left-handed pitcher Jarrett Schimper, another j- junior college guy out of Wallace Community College there in Alabama. Same situation as Houston Harding. We're going to come in here, and we're going to find a way to mix and match. Lamonas is a guy that likes to play the splits. He likes to play the percentages, and when there are left-handed hitters up there, he wants to have a left-handed pitcher because a lot of times when you start a right-hander, as conventional baseball wisdom will tell you, teams are going to stack lefties against you. You go out there and throw a lefty, and all of a sudden, the lineup flips in your favor. Right-handed pitcher Josh Hill from Indian Old Academy, I'm told he is one of those guys that he has just begun to really scratch the surface on what he can be as a pitcher. That uh, he he's the guy that dominated his league, but he is one of those kind of guys, too, that once he gets into the college weight room and strength and conditioning program, that he'll probably add some mass and some velo, excited about what to expect from him. But again, we're seeing some quality players produced in the MAIS in Mississippi, and that has really been the case for the last decade. And I'm told that Josh Hill has the potential to be one of those one of those guys, you look back and say, man, what an absolute steal we got there. Another guy that we expect to come in here and, and be able to contribute this year might, might be a factor in the outfield situation this year is Kyton McDonald out of Antonian College Prep School in Texas. Right handed hitter, right handed thrower, in which state needing an outfield spot and needing to begin to kind of cultivate and develop some young guys. We expect McDonald to really be in competition. He will need a big fall. But uh, we expect him to come in here and really compete. Right-handed pitcher uh, Jackson Forrester at East Mississippi Community College. I'm told to look for him in a middle reliever type role, but he has the potential to start, that he is a guy, if necessary, could give you some elongated innings. And so uh, when you begin to think about what we've got coming in and what we've got coming back, you, you understand why we're making a commitment to this pitching and making a commitment to community college players because we need some guys to provide some bullpen depth immediately infielder Noah Fondren, one of the state's most recent commitments, uh, I'm told that he is a guy that will likely come in and really compete at second. A lot of discussion about Justin Foskey making the move back to third this year, and then Noah Fondren is a guy that would be in the mix to compete for that second base job. He, I'm told that he is a second baseman. He's not a shortstop. Uh, so we'll see how that kind of develops Uh, But again, Mississippi State moving some pieces around and really bringing some guys in that give you some options. And then left-handed pitcher, Wesley Grantham from East Mississippi Community College, another lefty. And you go ahead and kind of do the math here. One, two, three, four, I guess five left-handed pitchers uh, in this class and uh, four of those of the junior college variety uh, coming in. So when you begin to think about next year and begin to think about what you've got coming back and now you've seen what we have coming in, uh, you can realize there is some room for some optimism. And now it's a matter of getting these guys on campus, getting them into your strength and conditioning program, getting them involved in the fall baseball, and then seeing how they handle college-level pitching. And I'm going to tell you one of the things that's going to get our pitchers ready for the SEC is having to face Rowdy Jordan and Tanner Allen and Justin Foskey and Jordan Westberg and Josh Hatcher uh, day in and day out. We're going to have one of the top offensive clubs in the country Next year, and there's a couple of pieces in and out, and it. and it's weird to say that considering that you're losing Jake Mangum, right? You're losing one of the most prolific hitters in the history of college baseball, and you could be better offensively. And I think one of the reasons why is because I think you're going to see guys like Josh Hatcher make a jump when Josh has the opportunity to play every day. I think Josh is going to make a jump for you. Uh, and, and we'll kind of figure some things out. But you you know what you're going to get with Foskey And I think Foskey, Westberg, Rowdy, those guys will be even more polished as hitters because they're going to have the benefit of having two years under their belt. And as we have learned many times, old wins in college baseball. Veteran teams win ball games. You look at uh, Vanderbilt and look at the the talent they have, but also the experience they had. And how many of those guys came back this year to try to go win a national championship? So I'm not ready to crown Mississippi State national champions, but I will tell you, everybody that knows anything about Mississippi State baseball will tell you we have a chance to be as good or better next year. As good or better next year. This year we had some liabilities at third base. We've got to find a way to be a little bit cleaner defensively. I think moving Foskey back to third, and if you can find a guy that can – you know, we don't have a Hunter Stovall, okay – and, man, if we'd had Hunter all this year, I think we might have won a national championship. But uh, but all that being said, you you, feel, you figure that one infield spot out, figure that one outfield spot out, especially if you can bring in a great offensive player, I think you begin to kind of see the fact that this is a team that can really challenge. I expect Mississippi State to be in the contention for the West again. As I've told you, I think Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Auburn are the top teams in the West, and LSU just a little bit behind just because of the fact they lose so much offensively. But we know that LSU is LSU. LSU never goes away. They're always going to be there and we have to go down there and play at their place. So that's going to be a real big challenge for us. But the bottom line is the state will be in contention for the West, in contention for the SEC. And in order for us to really contend, we've got to have some teams put some losses on each other. We need those Vandys, Georgias, and Floridas to kind of beat each other up and split among each other and then avoid those sweeps. And we need some teams like Kentucky and South Carolina to take a step forward and be able to at least win a game or two and not get swept in those things to give us a real chance. And so there's a lot of factors that come involved. You don't have to be just a great team. You've got to be a little bit lucky, and you've got to get some help along the way uh, to go win the SEC championship and be in contention uh, to go win uh, a College World Series championship. But uh, I am expected right now, I'm, I am planning ahead now to be back in Omaha, Nebraska next summer. I expect us to host a regional and then, obviously, be in contention for a Super Regional, depending on how things kind of shake out. But, uh, again, we are Mississippi State. We are not in a rebuilding year. We are continuing what we have built over the course of the last four seasons. And people forget that. We've won a Regional four years in a row. We've been to Super Regionals four years in a row. We've been to Omaha now two years in a row. This is the trajectory we should always be on. We should always be in that super regional Omaha mix. And I think now that we've got some continuity on the coaching staff, these things can begin to continue. I think we can be a mainstay in Omaha as long as we continue to recruit at a high level because with the commitment that our university and the commitment our fans have made, the support and the resources are there for Mississippi state to remain a college baseball national power. Folks that's going to do it for today. I'll we'll be back on Wednesday. We have a lot more to talk about and, uh, you know, we'll begin to kind of look forward and move on to football. I mean, it's uh, it's time now. It's July, uh, and actually Wednesday is my birthday, so we'll have the birthday extravaganza that day. It'll also be tattoo day. How about that? And if you really want to get me a birthday present, buy one for yourself. Go to StarkVillains.com and order yourself a Stark Villain shirt. That that's your birthday present to me. You you buy it and you keep it. It's the the best of both worlds. Because uh, Stark Villains the book will be out here. Uh, not, we'll have a release date very, very soon. And I, a lot of people run into me and say, hey, Steve, I know you're done. When's the book coming out? I, I'm waiting to find out, too. And so once I know, I'll let you guys know. But again, go to StarkVillains.com, order yourself a shirt, and celebrate my birthday with me. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way when we're friends and enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.